Amen. Well, this morning we're coming to the end of a series called Remember. Today's topic is called Remember to be Thankful. Uh, you know, being a preacher, being a writer, being a communicator, you label a lot of stuff. You talk about a lot of things every week and every weekend. What an honor. And uh, this is one of those ones I, I think I mislabeled it. <laughs> you know, uh, I was studying late last night and I went, it should have been called Remember to be Faithful. But we called it Thankful because I guess thankfulness is all surrounded around this weekend because we're thankful for fallen. We're thankful for those that have fallen with their life. They've given their life. They've sacrificed their blood that we can celebrate. You know, but if we're not careful, if we're not in the military, if our son or daughter or mom or dad or somebody really close to us is not far off this holiday, then if we're not careful, we make Memorial Day a lot about what? Picnic, food, barbecue, swimming, beach, lake, recreation, nap, fun. Anybody ready to go? I mean, you know, we just make it about that because it's kind of an extended weekend for so many. But it's so much more. But I chose today to look at the 11th chapter of Hebrews. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, if you'll turn there with me and look at Hebrews chapter 11. It's a great hall of faith, the heroes of faith, the hall of fame of faith. You've probably read it a number of times if you've been a Christ follower. Your grandmother might have read it to you. you you've read it to yourself. you read it to your kids. And I'm not going to read that whole passage because it is kind of lengthy but i want to encourage you to read it for yourself i want to encourage you to read it on your own this week it's a a tremendous call every time i read it uh, uh, men and women they're commended for their faith because they're gallant warriors for the king and before i really get into this i just remember there's two things that i i want to announce real quick uh mr and mrs benjamin trent are in the house congratulations to y'all they got married last sunday afternoon that's awesome i was looking around i said i bet they're not here they're on their honeymoon and i looked down there i went they're here i've been praying for y'all every day this week i really have and also uh i just got this last night i, I got the late notice but y'all know this big guy's like this uh his name is uh, fred and jessica shelby you know his wife's been walking around very pregnant they had a little boy frederick orion shelby was born this week so whenever you see big fred or you see a sweet wife just hey man congratulations and he wrote me a note and says i just want you to know i am so thankful to have a church and we cannot wait to bring our son to the house of god well this morning we want to talk about those that were faithful in their faith they were faithful to god they they loved jesus christ they they did what he uh, wanted them to do they they were gallant. They, they, they fought. They, they exercised faith. Let me tell you, we all have faith. We all exercise faith, whether it be biblical, supernatural faith, or just faith. Like, here's one. Most of you this morning walked over in your house, and you flipped a switch. And in faith, you flipped that switch if you'd paid the power bill that something was going to happen. Something was going to transpire. Current was going to run over there and your lights were going to come on. Was that a good thing for anybody but me? And then some of us or all of us went out to our automobile or to our truck and we got in today and we put our key in the ignition and we turned it in faith in hopes that our car would crank and it did. You're saying, well, you weren't at my house. It didn't crank. Okay, well, you didn't have enough faith. I don't know. You know, we, we, we have faith at so many different junctures of life. Um, I was thinking about this. When you go to the drugstore... You go sometimes to a pharmacist you've never met. You don't know what their GPA was in school. 
You don't even know if they're a good druggist. You just know they're a legal druggist, and that's good in the house of God. And you take your prescription in, and in hopes that they will give you the necessary medication, you have faith that they will get it right, and you will take it, and you will be better. That's faith, isn't it? See, we have faith. We, we operate in, in the evidence of things unseen that we trust in what we do not see. But how about in our holy God? Do, do we trust him this morning in spite of all the circumstances of life? And oh my goodness, those can be heavy sometimes, can't they? Sometimes circumstances can be so heavy just to walk around and man, make it. And sometimes they can be seen to be so freeing and so light and you just soar like an eagle. But whatever it is, who do you trust in? Do you trust in God? Or do you simply just trust in your own intellect, your own abilities, your own natural talents? The scary thing about that is you can seem to get so far with that. Some people seem to get farther along than others with their natural inclinations and talents. Some don't seem to get very far. But it is amazing how far we go when we trust in God and when we look at Him. Like today, I've been watching this building and it's so exciting to watch it go up. And I remember it takes me back to when we were building this in 98, 99. And we trust in the builder. We trust in the architect that these beams won't fall in. We, we just have that trust. You know what I'm saying? You're trusting in those chairs today that they won't collapse on you. I remember one time I sat in a chair and it collapsed. How humiliating. I was just sitting in a chair and it just folded up right before my eyes. And I was actually a little thinner then. And I thought, gee, what a, what a nice exercise, you know. And ever since then, in the back of my mind, when I go to sit in a frail chair, I, I just think for a minute, I wonder if this chair's got the ability to hold me up. I know you're going, you really contemplate that? Not every time, but sometimes. Okay, maybe you should contemplate that too. Number one, let, let's look at some things together. This thing about remembering to be thankful speaks of the godly heritage we ought not to forget. Hebrews 11 is that call of faith, those men and women commended, affirmed, adored, blessed, used of God, and their faith has has caused men and women boys and girls for generations to to want to know god to want to seek after god to want to get in his face to want to get into his presence and and somehow of all the people that have ever lived god gave his approval on this anointed list and you know when you really study the lives and i don't have time today i encourage you to do a study when you look at these 20 or so folks you're saying well they were superhuman they not necessarily. They had a supernatural inclination, trust in a God that was able. They, they fixed their eyes on things unseen. They fixed their eyes on God, and God did some things. But some of them were kind of common people, maybe like us. Let, let's look at this. I want you to write the thought down. People with faith please God every time. This morning in 2010, People with faith, with supernatural faith, please him. Those that earnestly seek after him, those that want to know him, that diligently seek him, God blesses, God speaks to. And God is blessed when you have faith. And when you have a lack of faith, God gets no glory. It's like when you just do it in the natural, you're, doing, you're relying on yourself. You're relying on your own abilities. And you're saying, but Keith, do you know my abilities? I know many of your abilities, and many of you are so incredibly gifted. It's, it's amazing. And some might say today, well, I'm not very gifted. I'm just kind of common. You're still uniquely made in the image of our God, and you have special gifts. Maybe you haven't discovered them. 
It's certainly fun when we find it, but it's more great, more, it's more of a joyful time when we trust in God. But let's look at this together. Godly faith is. It's defined as, look at Hebrews 11, chapter 1. There it is. He just tells us simply in the NIV, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It's being sure with confidence of what I hope for. But it is certain of the thing that is unseen. In faith, I see. In faith, I believe. But as I was doing some study, in the, um, in, in the King James, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. The word there is substance. It has, it has something to it. It has the ability to, to, to stick, to, to go after. True biblical faith is never blind optimism. Some people say, well, you, you believers, you Christians, y'all are just optimistic about everything. You've been around many of the Christians I've been around. Some are optimistic, some are pessimistic, some are Eeyore, some are whatever. But God says here, no. And it's not an intellectual assent to a set of beliefs or doctrine, but it's, uh, and it's not a manufactured, I hope so. It's a trust in Him, and it's the evidence, it's the substance of things unseen. It's that God, I'm, I'm trying to get around infinite with finite mind and heart but i'm trying to embrace i'm i'm trying to trust in you uh, i'm trying to have a confident obedience in you god in your word what it says to me that's when we read our bibles because god builds our faith he elevates us every time we read the bible would you agree with that church when you read the word when you hear the word it builds your faith it exercises the muscle you know when you go to the gym and you exercise you get stronger. You strengthen that which is weak. But when you read God's word, when you walk, when you act in faith, when you believe him, it, it gives uh, Here's what faith gives. It gives assurance and it gives conviction. Wow, God. Today, he wants to fill this room. And people that will listen over the next weeks or months or whatever to this message, he'll say, I want to give you assurance in me being God. I want to give you conviction that I'm in complete control, that I'm a sovereign king in my universe. So this assurance and conviction is, is very powerful. The substance here is the word hypostasis. It means to stand up under. It's the, it's the direct opposite of a hypothesis or a theory. It's fact. It's solidified in God. This morning, we don't have a blind faith. We have a faith that rests in the eternal working of God. Does that encourage your heart like it does mine today? That I trust in what is unseen because he is so real and he's so powerful and he's so in control. Uh, Dr. A.T. Robertson says, substance translates as the title deed. We, ha- we get handed the title deed when we trust completely in God. We're owners of that now. So faith is a voluntary anticipation of things to come. I volunteer, I act on, I put my faith in God. What is the object of your faith? So that's the whole key. What is your object of your faith? And when the object of your faith is Jesus Christ, you are victorious. And when you're putting your faith in something else, sometimes it works out. Sometimes you hope so. Sometimes it just fails miserably. Has anybody ever put their faith in something besides God and you just went bankrupt or you just failed miserably? Anybody? You raise your hands. You know what I'm saying? You, here it is. You're a young guy. 
I put my faith in this young girl that she would love me forever and we would dance across the living room and we would get married one day and life would end up and, and we would just walk off into the sunset. <laughs> yeah, whatever. And she told you, get lost. She just broke your heart. You know, and, well, that faith, that, it didn't get me anywhere. I, I just blew it. Has anybody in this room ever had their heart broken? Well, you didn't have to say it out loud. Somebody said, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, right now everybody wants to go lay hands on anybody and said, uh-huh. I mean, we've all had our hearts broken. If we haven't, we have the joy of that happening sometime. But faith, write this down. Faith is belief and trust in action. I like that. Faith is when I believe and I trust completely, but I put it into action. Oh, here it is. I want everybody to stand up this morning. I want everybody to stand up. Everybody stand up. I got it. Here, everybody stand up. I just want everybody in the room to stand up. Come on, everybody. I'm going to come pick you up if you're not standing up. Everybody in the room, stand up. Okay, is anybody not? Okay, look at this. Okay, this is beautiful. I just want to walk around and look at you. Yeah. What y'all doing way back there? The canes? I don't want to. Okay, now I see you. I, I, now, I want you to sit down. Okay, just sit down. You just demonstrated faith. You just put your faith in that chair that you sat down that you weren't going to land on the floor. That's faith. You're saying, that's what chairs are for. Duh. You know what? What's Christ for? He's a Savior. He's a Lord. He's a Master. He's life. And He wants us to put complete abiding faith in Him. I know that's a really a simplistic way of just thinking about faith, but you did put your faith that you trusted me, but you put your faith in that chair was going to hold you when you sat down. I was just waiting to see if anybody's going to stand there and watch the chair and go, I don't know. Well, it's kind of weak. Nobody did that. You just sit down. Today, just think about it. How many times you're going to put your faith in somebody else? And then what's really scary is how many times they're not going to follow through or, or that's going to be disappointing. But you know what I found about God? He never disappoints. Let's look at the second point here. Declared. It says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Hebrews eleven six. God blesses faithfulness every time. It is the character and the heart of the eternal God that we know and serve through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And God is constantly saying to you and me, I want you to be demonstrators. I want you to demonstrate. I want you to express your faith. And when you express your faith, I get glory. I get honor. It, uh, glory just means you elevate the worth of God, which is already worthy. And God, I worship you. I elevate you because I trust you, mighty God. When you give your tithes and offerings, you're basically saying, God, I trust you from where all things come. When you trust Christ from salvation, you go, I trust in Jesus Christ and him alone to save me from my sins. In whatever area, just trust, believe, act, devotion to him. Look at the third point. It's described more than 20 times here. It says, now faith by faith. It happened by faith, Abel offered to God. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life. By faith, Noah did this. By faith, Abraham was called. By faith, this. By faith, that. And this morning, we're no different. By faith, we do great and mighty things for the king. You know, people that don't have a very strong faith, they don't really do much for God because they're really trusting in the ability of the now. You know... As pastor of this church, 
I'm humbled when I ride on this campus. Uh, I remember it being a dream. I remember it being a vision. And I remember the goodness of God. And I remember the first time I ever remembered to call this fellowship by name in the home meeting in August of 96. And then we incorporated and we birthed. And I remember in 98 when we bought this property and a number of us came out here and walked this ground and gave praise and worshiped God. And I remember in 99 of April of 99, we moved into this facility and we were excited about having a campus and we were no longer a, a part-time church on an AUM campus with temporary signs. And now we build this new structure and and it's, it's by faith. You know, we see things. Uh, I've seen it for a long time. Now you can just ride by. And I, I'm amazed how many people come and they go, Oh, I wish I could do that, Pastor. I want to do that one day. I want to start a church. I want just what you've got now. I'm like, Hey, Bubba, you got to put a little sweat in this thing, a little sweat equity. There was that year of pulling the trailer. Uh-huh. It was that year of seeing Bruce Davis and company setting up the nursery. It was a year of me having severe hay fever with my wife, cutting every plant known to man that she could make this beautiful arrangement down front. Now, I didn't know if it was going to have poison ivy in it or what, but it was always beautiful, you know? <laughs> and all those things that happened to get to this point and now to get there. And I see by faith. Do you see by faith? Can, can you walk through that facility and see kids just overflowing and teenagers coming and worshiping the king? Can you see that by faith? It's the evidence of the things unseen. If you don't, I can't see it, then you need to get your faith supersized this morning because God does not say, hey, you can just see it. He wants us to trust. He wants us to believe. And he wants us to have action. And we work in the power of the Holy Spirit. I love to hang around people of faith. They stretch my faith when I see more, when I see something that wasn't and now is. Oh, God, stretch our faith I think it's increase our faith. So it gets described here. You see, these people of faith here, they were not satisfied with the things of this world. They wanted more. Mark eleven twenty four. I just want to give you this passage. It says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received and it will be yours. Now, this is God's will. This isn't just, I mean, you know, I've been asking for a Maserati for 30 years. And I ain't got one yet, but I'm still believing. No, no, I'm not asking for a Maserati. That is not God's will. That is not going to give God glory. It's going to give me a lot of glory and a pride. But I'm not asking for a Maserati. But those things that I ask for in faith, those things that God calls and places in my heart, and those things that honor the name of Jesus Christ and Him alone, God sees His will through. How many of you believe God sees His will through? He's an awesome God. What do you, you know, some people are like, well, God didn't do that for me. God has something better. How many of you believe God has the best and he has better and he has good and he has mediocre? But how many of you believe that God has the best? Do you want to settle for God's best or just, oh God, would this be the permissible will of God? I want the perfect will of God. I don't want the permissible will of God. I mean, permissible, people always ask me this dumb question. I'm just going to tell you, if you've ever asked this question, it's dumb. I'm just going to tell you right now. How much faith do I have to have to do this? You know, I want to go to heaven. What would it take? What can I get away with? That is the wrong question. How much can I love God? How much can I become more like Jesus Christ? That is a question every person should ask. And the church said, not, hey, do you think I can pull this over on God? He is God. He is sovereign. He is creator. He is all-knowing. And I'm thinking, little me with my pea-sized brain and yours can pull it over on infinite God. And it's so dumb. But I, I meet people every week that tell me, I think I'm going to pull this over on God. You are not. He might allow it. It might be permissible. I don't know. 
but go for perfect. Listen to this. Stephen Curtis Chapman, he had a song that I used to listen to all over the country and in our car, and Hannah used to sing it, and it was called The Great Adventure, and here it is. Saddle up your horses. We've got a trail to blaze through the wild blue yonder of God's amazing grace. And in faith, I believe God calls us to an amazing race. How about you? It's an adventure. I started my adventure over three decades ago. And I'm going to endure in this adventure, and I'm going to call others to this adventure because it is the adventure above all adventures. But it calls for faith. It calls for complete trust in the one that gave his life for you. Let's look at examples of godly heritage. Number one, Abraham. Verses 8 through 17, you see here that the nation began with the call of Abraham. He left all that he had, all that he was to follow after God. And therefore he was called, Abraham was called the friend of God. God promised Abraham and Sarah a son. But what you might know or not know, they were old and she was barren and they were up in age. And God waited 25 years to fulfill the promise to Abraham and Sarah. But God delivered on his promise. Why not tell you that story? Because it encourages your faith. Today, there's somebody right now, it's been 25 years you've been believing God. Five years, five minutes, five days, 30 years, and you're believing God. Here's my word. Be encouraged. Don't waver. Don't give up. Believe God until you draw your last breath. Do you believe that, folks? God's going to see you through Donna and I have seen God answer so many of our prayers. He has been so good to us. Donna just told me the other day, she goes, if he doesn't do another thing for us, he's a holy good God. Does that mean that me and Donna are like, we'd sit on the front porch just saying, take us home now, God, we're through. No, we have so much more that we want to experience in this life. But let me tell you, listen, if you're not careful, if you get so focused on this world and not heaven, you won't want to leave this world. I'm I'm looking forward to the day that he raptures me. He takes me. How about when he takes you? Are you looking forward to that day? You're saying, well, no, brother, I want to hold on. To what? I mean, it's fun, but like God takes So Abraham, he he waits and God fulfills. He takes him, uh, he leaves home for a far place. He steps into the unknown, but Abraham is a man of faith. Let's look at the next one, Joseph. Oh my goodness, Joseph, he gets sold out into slavery. His brothers sell him out. I mean, has anybody ever had a brother but me? Would your brother sell you out? I just want to know yes or no. Yeah, your brother will sell you out for enough money or for something they want. Sure they will. And it says here, he was abandoned to his family. He was mistreated. He was under the ungodly influence of Egypt. He rose in great power in the land, and he believed God. He, he lived. His greatest act was he trusted God. Even though his brothers had sold him out and other things had happened, he always trusted God in the midst of Pharaoh and the great power. He just knew, hey, God, you're great. I believe you. And I'm not going to abandon my faith, and I'm going to believe you. But look at the third one, Moses. Oh, my goodness, Moses. They were going to kill all the male children. I mean, eradicate them. And his mom and dad had awesome faith, and they believed God, and they knew that God's hand was on this boy. And then they hid out for about three months and they finally put him in a little papyrus, little reed basket and they put him there and he, he gets found and he goes into Pharaoh's home. And he, but he, but he, he has what? He's recognized that he's special and he has this courageous faith and he trusts God. And yet, let me tell you what Moses did. He did not choose the earthly comfort of the Egyptian education and the palace and all the things that he had. 
But he chose to be faithful and courageous and trust in the manifest and the power and the presence of God. And he knew that God would see him through. And he eventually becomes the lawgiver. Oh, God loved Moses. But he loves you. He loves me greatly. And yet we, we read about the life of Moses and we go, wow, you know, Moses is looking beyond. He's got tremendous, he, he gives leadership to the people of Israel. He walks ahead. He gets delivered from Egypt. He goes there through the Red Sea and he leads, he leads Israel out through there and then they get drowned. And man, what a, that was a cool feat. I just love that when I see it on the movie screen. And, but Moses lives by faith. Listen to this, write it down. Moses lives by faith. You and I should live by faith. And God promises, if you live by faith, you will be rewarded. Write it down. Take it to the bank. You will be rewarded if you live by faith. If you don't live by faith, don't expect much. Don't expect to be rewarded. God chooses to bless and use and strengthen those that trust him completely. Oh, God, there's so much more. Uh, I want, you know, it's like they all live by faith here in this section. And they were commended for their faith. And they look forward to a better day. They look forward to salvation. And that salvation has come in Jesus Christ. Look at Roman numeral 2. They speak of the godly opportunities they, that we dare not waste. They looked around at the winners. Hebrews 12, 1 says, We are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And there's such debate and discussion about what it means and what it doesn't mean and what this part of simple does and what that does. But here's all I'm trying. We are surrounded by those that have run the race of faith before us. And it's a great heavenly host of those that have been faithful to Jesus Christ. And we get to join in in that. You know, and then a lot of people say, well, you know, they, there's, a big, there's a big rail in heaven, and they just, they just look over and they watch us. And that's really a, a pretty awesome concept to just think that they, you know, they watch us and they see everything we do. I, I don't know that that's exactly what it means. I mean, you could send me emails this week and go, I don't think it means that. I, I think that's exactly what it means. I don't know. I mean, you, can you imagine all the great heroes of faith in there? I mean, just be honest. Can you imagine Paul and Stephen and all these people in heaven going, kind of boring. <laughs> there ain't much. It'd be like watching a baseball game when nobody's hitting. I mean, like, man, this is kind of slow. I, I don't know, but I do know they had faith and they're in God and they have gone before us and God is calling us to join the great patriarchs in faith. And how many want to join great patriarchs in faith? And you want to be faithful and you want to endure and you want to be a part of the great cloud of witnesses. I want to be a great part of that cloud just like you. I mean, who wouldn't? Wow, it's a God thing. So they look around. They, they look at themselves. I mean, you know, they, they had failures. We have failures. I mean, you know, we didn't lose. And then they looked at Jesus Christ. We looked to Jesus. We, we looked to him alone, the author and finisher of our faith. Look at point A. There's a godly focus. They throw off everything that hinders them. That which hinders, that which impedes progress, they throw off. Here it is. It's baseball season. I remember being a baseball player, and we always had that little thing called a donut. Always talk about donuts, but these are not Krispy Kreme donuts. These are different, okay? These are a little collar, and you put it on your bat, and you swing. And what it is, it gives you more weight, and you swing, and you loosen the body up. And when you get up, the object is, you're supposed to do this, you're supposed to have more bat speed because you've swung that loosening up. Now, would it not be dumb in the major leagues if you went out? Cliff Jackson, our drummer, is the biggest Atlanta Brave fan that God's ever made, okay? I mean, you can't even watch the TV with Cliff. You're afraid he's going to throw something at it. But Cliff, if Cliff went up to watch the Atlanta Braves play this afternoon, and Cliff's like, Cal, you can't believe it. They've, they've choked, man. The guy's a dummy. He's got his donut up on the plate. He forgot to take it off. 
I mean, literally, they could hear Cliff in Atlanta. Cliff would get that excited. I, I've watched a game with him. He, he's passionate. In which the first time I ever saw any sports thing with Cliff, I really didn't think it was him because Cliff is a CPA, dresses very nice, and he's very professional. He's very calm. And he plays those drums to the glory of God. Cliff, you're an amazing man. But you something transforms you when Auburn comes on or Atlanta Braves. It something overtakes his body. And you but wouldn't that be dumb to watch the Atlanta Braves swing with donuts today? I mean, they wouldn't get very far. Do you know we're just like that? If we hold on to sin, or we hold on to a less than in patterns, and we don't press on in faith in Christ. So God, drive us in faith today. Oh God, this is good. So there's, there's a, a godly focus here. In Luke 9, 23, I love this. He said to them, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow after me. Following Jesus is a daily discipline, is a daily delight. It's a daily job. It takes every bit of you every day to follow Christ. It's not coming under conviction in a service. It's not coming under conviction at Bible school or summer camp or some event. Those are all good, and there's a place for that. But it's daily following him. It's staying awake. It's moving forward in faith. I, I got a great story. I, I, I just got to use this. I, this is a great story of faith. Uh, Do you ever hear the story about the nun that ran out of gas? You're fixing to. Okay. There was this nun, and... She, she ran out of gas and, you know, I don't know, maybe she was doing the parochial thing or whatever, but, you know, she runs out of gas and, man, she, she looks all around and she's looking for a container and she can't find a container. And, man, she looks in the back of her station wagon. She finds this device. So she picks it up and she walks down the road about a mile and she gets to the gas station and the tenant comes out and he sees her in her habit and everything. He says, what did you say? Well, I've run out of gas and says, uh, do you have a can? Because she had this device. I'm going to tell you what it is. He says, no. She said, well, I have something. She pulls out her bedpan. And she says, I'd, I'd like as much it w- as it would hold. So, you know, the attendant pours the gasoline in the, bed, in the bedpan, and the nun walks another mile down the road. And she gets out beside the car, and she takes off the gas cap, and she begins to use the bedpan, and she pours the gasoline into the, to the engine, or there into the gas tank. And this guy rides by, and he stops, and he goes, Never have I seen such great faith in a woman before. <laughs> now, I thought it was cute. So the moral of that story is everybody should get a bedpan and have it in the back of your car. It could have multiple purposes. <laughs> no, gross. Anyway, the thing is, what do you have faith in? Do you, do you have great faith in God? Trusting in the one that is able the one that is able to deliver you from all bondages. The one that is able to deliver you from addictions of sin today. The one that is able to deliver you from loneliness. The one that is able to deliver you from blank. Fill it in. So then there's the godly purity. Let us throw off the sin that so easily entangles, that encumbers, that trips God, let us throw off those things. God, you desire purity in our hearts, in our lives, in our mind, in our eyes. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 and 4, it says, It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Sanctified means to be set apart. That you should avoid sexual immorality. That each one of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable unto the Lord. Oh, do we need that word for today, church? God wants us to be pure in Jesus Christ. He wants us to have a pure, holy witness 
Oh God, do that in us. Help us. And point B is godly endurance. Let us run with perseverance. The race that is marked out for us, the race that we run is not our own. We run for Christ. We abide in Jesus and we run and we endure and we persevere. Blessed is the man that has tried for when he is shot, uh, when he is tried, he should be crowned or he should be given the crown of life. God wants us to endure to the end. He wants us to be blessed if we persevere. It's always beautiful when you see somebody finish something. Don and I have this show. We just had the finale we, like they did it just for us. We feel like they did. We, we have this habit. We get off work. We go change. We go work out. We go home and have an organic pizza, and we watch 24. We've been doing that for a long time on Monday nights, and 24 is over, so I'm a little sad. But here's the deal. There, there's this show on Tuesday night when we go work out. It's called Biggest Loser. Oh, it's an amazing thing. The guy that won it this year, he lost a big person. 200, how many pounds? 220, 250. He lost that much weight. Amazing. And, and as you look at that, but here's the deal. Toward the end of the show, they had these obese people that were slimming down. They had them do a marathon. And the bro did a marathon. You know, and it was just so cool because these people that, man, when they first get on the show, they can't even breathe. They can't, they can't even sit up. They just fall asleep. And they get in this amazing shape and they sacrifice their bodies and, and they endure. And they endure this discipline, this rigorous, and they endure. Julian. And they, they endure. But they finish. And here it is in the church. God's saying, that's what I want in my church. I want the church to finish. I want the church to endure. I want the church to persevere till I come again. Hallelujah. They don't even get an amen. Thank you. I mean, you know, God wants us to finish. He wants us to finish strong. You know, somebody once said, write this down. This is good. I don't know who said it or I'd give them credit, but it's a great line. The Christian life has never been intended to be a hundred yard dash. It was always a marathon. And God has called you and I to a marathon of faith. That we run one step at a time and endure in his son, Jesus. And one day we shall receive the crown of life for those which love him. Being diligent in this struggle. Galatians 6, 9, I love it. It says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. If you and I don't give up, we reap a harvest. If we daily train, if we daily pray, if we daily read the word, if we daily witness, if we daily purpose to renew our mind, if we daily purpose to do the things of God, we finish. And if we daily strive to have a God-honoring attitude when the day is said and done, Jesus gets more glory. Phillips Brooks in the 1800s said, It did not take great men to do great things. It only takes consecrated men. It only takes a consecrated person set apart for the purposes in the holiness of God to get great things accomplished. Look at three, Roman number three. They speak of the godly message we must not forsake. I like Hebrews 12 and 2 and 3. And he says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The good news of Christ is that we can claim that good news for ourselves. It is a personal gospel. This gospel is for you. This gospel is for me. And then it's not only for us, then we must proclaim that gospel to others. And and that's what I purpose to do on the weekends. That's what you purpose to do with your life. That's what a witnessing believer is. You just share Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. You share that Christ has power and he's come to rescue the individual. 
but he's also come to heal and he's come to heal a nation oh god would you heal america does anybody ever pray that we need it oh man our nation is messed up would you agree about that i still think it's the greatest nation to live in i'm so proud to be an american i'm grateful for memorial day but we're messed up on a good day we need help so fill it in on the cross jesus becomes the author of our faith he's the originator he's the authentic he's he's the finisher of our faith he is the author he starts he lives he is he finishes it and on the throne feel this here jesus becomes the perfecter of our faith there's a word in the greek and it means the perfecter means he finishes he completes he is the one who brings us to our intended goal and i think the intended goal is heaven i think the intended goal is to be in the presence of god when jesus finished the race that he was appointed and he was appointed a race he took his rightful seat at the right hand of god 